Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Yeah, what's up, man? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Just back uh, again. Yeah, we're back again at it and uh, talking the talking the big game. Talking the big game. <laughs> <laughs> and the big game would be R E O. R E O. R E O and the state of R E O and what the heck is going to happen over the next six months, right? Exactly. So or three months or two months, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so I figured we would just jump into a, a quick synopsis of where it is currently, what the expectations are over the third, fourth quarter, as well as into the new year. And then we'll finish up with just a, a real uh, surface level uh, discussion on how to put some offers in on these REOs when they start letting loose. If you've never done that or if you've done it and never got any REO, there are some secrets that we have to uh, to help you be the one who actually wins that either multiple offer situation or actually get the offer accepted on, on that foreclosure. Um, and yeah. what's that? Some hot tips. Yeah. Some hot tips. And then if, uh, if we want to go deep into that and everybody's interested, throw some comments in there and say, Hey, if you guys could do a deep dive into REO and, and the secrets of getting our offers accepted, we would definitely be open to doing a three, four, five different half hour segments on, on what to do and how to do. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, lot of need for that because we will get back into a, a, a market where REO will pick up and there'll be a significant amount at some point. And it will be good for people to, to know how to work with um, REO agents and put offers in on REO property when the time comes. And, and once there's a lot more of them out there, this will be a huge advantage for people to learn the ways in which to get an offer accepted. So I think it's a good idea. I definitely couldn't agree more. And I mean, to anyone out there who's been in this business three, four, five years, you saw maybe the tail end of some REO and, and you didn't really see the, the deep, dip that the market took and the lack of, of business that was available to people because so many people were losing their homes. Uh, it's another option for you, another avenue if you start working investors. Uh, even traditional people who are trying to buy a house to move into are really hitting those REOs. And a lot of these REOs are getting repaired before they even hit the market. So there's yeah. going to be some differences than we saw back in 2008. Uh, but both myself and Jim, we've we've been through this kind of cycle before. And the last thing that we want to see is agents who are working hard right now, trying to do business disappear because historically when the market gets tough and things shift and you don't, you will disappear and you will end up back in a job. And if you don't want to end up back in a job, I suggest you really listen to what we have to say. Um, so that said, now, as far as from what I'm seeing here from, from Pennsylvania, uh, I am have not by any means looked at any statistics out there and, and different big companies who are saying real, real trends and all those things, here's where Oreo is. And this is how many more foreclosure filings there have been. I don't you know, track we, we, we can gauge it pretty well, just based on what's trending. Correct. So I don't really track that. I, I just get into the, I get into the kind of into the weeds and, and talk to my clients, asset managers, top level people at 
places like Fannie Mae and HUD and, and all the people that we deal with. Uh, and what it really seems to be looking like is uh, quarter three and four and then into the new year is when we'll start seeing a bit of an uptick with the foreclosures. It's been a long time. I mean, we're two plus years right now with very limited inventory. And if anything, what I've seen in the last month or two, uh, I've actually seen a complete disappearance. Mm -hmm. So in my market, um, for any of the people out there who just don't know, myself and Jim have done a ton of REO. I personally have closed over 2,500 transactions uh, in a 15, 17 year career. Uh, The bulk of those being REO. And we've seen this kind of stuff happen over and over again, but where the market is right now, there was no REO. I'm, I historically would get 10, 15, 20 properties a month. Now I'm not seeing two or three. And honestly, in the last two months, I haven't even seen one. And if anything's going to come through my market, it's going to probably come through my hands and I've seen nothing. So what my thought is, is there real confident Q3, four new year is when things are going to happen. So the one or twosies, they were trying to just let loose because they had no idea when they were going to let go, just trying to get them through. They may just not be so, um, so pushy with those right now and are just like, Hey, once we get into Q3, four and new year, let's, let's just start unloading these. Let's focus right now on building our foundation and making sure everything's in place for us to let these loose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I also think that, you know, something is different, something different is happening this time around with Wall Street and hedge funds. You know, a lot of these properties are being sold and gobbled up, you know, by, by hedge funds and by different organizations before they even get to REO. I think banks are more willing this time around to sell them before actually going through the foreclosure process or finalizing it and getting it to the open market. So I think a a lot of the inventory that we used to see is completely gone before we even know it exists. And and that's a a great point. Um, But at the end of the day, for everybody out there, regardless of where those houses go, um, they're going to hit the market. Yeah. So all all you need to worry about on your end is who are the agents that are going to be working these deals? And, and even though they didn't go traditional REO, they're still most likely going to be sold off in a similar manner and treated that way by these hedge funds. Cause that's what we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. Everything still needs to happen. Those houses need to be maintained. There, there needs to be ongoing services, field services, cleanup, winterizations, all those things have to happen. Therefore, the sale process is going to be very similar as well. Yeah, yeah. As a, as a buyer's agent, if, if the property is being sold by a bank as an REO or a hedge fund as a property purchased from a bank, the, the process is very, very similar. So, so getting to know that process as a buyer's agent is, is uh, very, very important. So maybe, um, maybe we just go into some of the processes in which makes a, a, a sale successful, right. For, for, um, for buyer agent and their buyer putting in an offer for an REO property. Yeah. Yep. That sounds good. Um, you want to take, go ahead, go ahead. See what you got. Oh, hold on. Uh, Lisa just sent a, uh, VA just released 200 REOs in VRM. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I didn't hear that. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to trickle out. It's going to come eventually. We just kind of don't know exactly when or where in the, in the country it's going to come, but it will happen. And it's, and that's why conversations like this are good to have now so that when it does hit the market, you know, you guys are ready to go. And if your state is historically a, a, a slow mover to get things to market because there's a long uh, judicial process, it's, it's probably going to flow that way now. So uh, states like Texas and stuff tend to move a little quicker. So there's probably, I know there was some uptick in, in there, talking to some agents in, in that market. Um, there's definitely been a, a movement where things are starting to get released. And but states like Massachusetts, New Jersey, they tend to be a lot slower. So they may not see that inventory starting to come through uh, till more of the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hope is in my, I'm in Pennsylvania. So my hope is in Pennsylvania, we're somewhere in the middle of the road. So I'm hoping Q3 and the Q4 is when we start seeing some things release. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, most people uh, do not like a downturn market. That's where I thrive. I love watching the market shift down and, and know exactly what to do and the moves to make in order to, to make my business go up, you know, yeah. which, which is exciting. Yeah. So, that's cool, man. So let's let's talk about some of the like overarching thing, like in, without getting too deep into the weeds. Let's maybe talk about a few of the um, the biggest mistakes that agents make when putting an offer in on a foreclosure, or some of the some of the the calls that you get, or some of the things that happen when people are putting an offer in and they think that it's a traditional retail sale, and they're calling you based on that and. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a ton of questions and it's kind of setting things up in, in the wrong way. So maybe let's talk about some of the, some of those things first. So that's perfect as far as questions go, because I've got one right on the tip of the tongue that I consistently get is, can you send me the seller's disclosure? Oh my goodness. So the instant I get that, <laughs> I know you're new, you've never done an REO. And you really are going to need your hand held through this process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's guys, something that you don't want to say to when you see it's a foreclosure, REO, bank owned, relocation is different, but a, a straight REO property, a foreclosure, there is no seller's disclosure. So do not reach out to the listing agent. Do not ask for the seller's disclosure. There isn't any. Yeah. Never going to be a seller disclosure on a foreclosed property. Um so I get I get that one a lot too. I also the thing that the thing that I get a lot that really bothers me is um, not agents not reading the MLS before making a phone call. I'm I'm more than happy to take calls from anybody and explain this process because I know it's new and different for most people. When I get a phone call asking if a property is qualified for FHA or VA when it's clearly marked as not in the MLS is is a a very difficult question to have asked because it just it pulls me away from so many other things that are that are going on that are really important that I could be dealing with with other offers coming in and so my my biggest pet peeve is to read read the MLS instructions and read all of the supplements get those questions answered first and if, if there's still confusion about something then call in and ask them 100% the the agents tend to do this. And this is what I've realized because I did it a couple of times and didn't follow my own advice, read the agent remarks. Well, I'm in my car. 
I pull up showing time. Somebody just called me to see a house. I go in the app and I just set the schedule the showing. I never looked in the MLS. So older school people who are not used to using showing time or even have the app, they tend to still go in the MLS first and foremost. Newer agents, it's it's quick. How do we do? How do we get it quick? Oh, I'm going to go right in the app. Well, the app doesn't tend to tell you anything about the instructions. So you also have to make sure that you're going back to the MLS to see what it says in those agent remarks, even to know that it's a foreclosure because you may not even know that. Yeah. If your just client just called you off of a Zillow and just said, hey, I want to see this listing and you didn't notice it's a foreclosure, then you're just going and showing it and you don't know what you're kind of walking into. Now, sometimes the pictures give you an indication. But again, if you're not educated in the REO and you've not done too much of it, you may not even pick up on those things. And, right. we're, and we're not saying these things. Um, because me and Jim could go on and on on rants as far as what irritates us, but we're telling you this so that you know most likely the listing agents in your market have the same pet peeves and you want to be buddy-buddy and you want to make sure that you come correct with them. And when you do that, yeah. it's going to get you much further in terms of, hey, how best to approach this. Those agents are much more open to, to giving, a, giving you a conversation on, on what to do. Yeah, and, and, it, and it ends up hurting the buyer, right? Because, you know, um, you know this, we have many, many different clients and each client has their own method in which we have to submit offers to, right? And so in the instructions in the MLS, we go through in detail based on that particular client, when, how, and where to submit offers. And if you don't submit it in that fashion to that particular client, or to us so that we can submit it to that client in the right way, the offer won't even be received or um, looked at at all, Correct. right? And so it's really important to know how to submit the offer, what site to go on, where to send it to, how it should be labeled, all of that stuff. Banks are very, very detailed and they force us to be very detailed in the offer process. Because remember guys, we're dealing with, we're dealing with a nationwide corporation most times. Right. And they have specific um, ways in which they operate. And if we don't operate in those bounds, the offers don't even get looked at. So to avoid having your offer um, not even be considered, we have to be extremely detail orientated with the way in which we submit that offer. So the other big thing is what a lot of agents are used to is having to. I, I get a text message. I. I sent you an offer in your email. Well, that's cool. Did you read the agent remarks? Yeah. Go to dot, 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 dot com to submit your offer. Unfortunately, I'm not involved in that process with this particular client. Those offers go direct to them. Follow those instructions. You as the buyer's agent have to submit it. There are forms on there for you to download, fill out. Uh, there's just a, there's, as Jim said, there's a process to it. Know which website to go to. These are all the, the little important things that really make a difference or can just take your learning curve and flatten it out tremendously uh, because you're just not used to doing these things. Uh, Fannie Mae, for example, there's no more state contract with Fannie Mae. Mm -hmm. You don't use your state contract. You literally only use Fannie Mae's contract. You're going to submit your offer. If your offer is accepted, they're going to send you a, a DocuSign to DocuSign it directly very similar to what HUD does. So if you haven't put offers in on HUD properties, there's your broker has to have a NAIDS number. You have to know what that NAIDS number is. You have to set up all these things. This is going to 
if you set this up beforehand, you're then ready to make those offers. If you don't set it up beforehand and your client, the deadline for, for example, on a, on a HUD property is midnight. Anything that's in before midnight is considered for the next day. If you miss that window and try to put it in the next day and they take an offer from the offers the night before, you didn't even get a chance. You may have only had, thought you were good. Uh, it's due in three hours. So you put it in at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. Well, you don't have your NAIDS number. You can't get anybody on the phone. You don't know how to go through the process. It could take two or three hours, at least your first time. And yeah. if you don't have all the right things, you're not even gonna be able to put that offer in. Yeah. Again, these are just little important things that you don't necessarily run into when you're dealing with a traditional deal uh, because you've got a homeowner, a buyer and seller that can communicate through their agents directly very quickly and, it, you know, and just basic contracts and those types of things. Yeah. And, and like each one of these things, guys, is probably a full episode to go over. Um, and again, we're, we're, we're bringing all these things up to set you up for success for your buyers when you're submitting offers for REOs. It will come back. There will be a resurgence of it. And there'll be a ton of REO on the market for you to, to capitalize on with your buyer. So this is a really, really good time to learn all of this stuff and prepare for when that time comes. Lisa, Lisa brought up a really good point. So um, we get uh, we get the offer accepted and we move into the repair phase, or not repair phase, the inspection phase. Um, there's a lot to know about each client for the inspection and the repair um, pro process of the contract, right? And so it is, it's really, really important to read the entire contract before you have your buyers sign it because the inspection period is different for, for each client. You know, it could be five days, it could be seven days, it could be 10 days, it could be no days. Um, they could have stipulations in there. For instance, you know, this is a really, really big one with HUD is that they disclose up front the repairs that they know about on a property. If you go under contract and try to and do your inspections and then try to cancel that contract based on a known repair, HUD will reject that and keep your deposit. So those things are super important because you know, imagine if you have a thousand dollar deposit and you didn't know that um, you know the water already was known to be leaking and you did inspections and you try to cancel because of a of a of a broken pipe, HUD will not allow you to release from that contract in that in that way. So. Um, it's really, really important to know about the contract before you put it in and talk with the agent that you're submitting through. And this is why it's great to develop a relationship with the, the listing agents for REO properties, because um, this is all information that we can, that we can pass on. And we're, we're much more likely to have that conversation with somebody that, um, you know, we're in a, a, a good relationship with, right? Yeah, and if and and look, even if you're doing a traditional deal, at the end of the day, calling the agent to ask a question that you can answer yourself by just doing a little bit of work is not okay. You know, some of these agents that you're dealing with are closing a hundred plus properties a year on the traditional side. There's some some big players out there who sell a lot of properties, and even if you're closing fifty or sixty deals a year that's still four, five, six properties that you're in the middle of managing and, and having to answer questions that someone else could have already answered. It, it's, it's just not time productive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people get a little bit overwhelmed. 
So it's always the, the, the best way to do things is do the best you can research wise. If you have a question on where is the septic or any of those kind of things, you could reach out to the township. It's public information. A lot of those things you can figure out on your own um, with just a little bit of due diligence. And it typically takes a couple hours. It's not a huge deal, but it'll go a long way when you're then having a conversation with a listing agent, either REO or traditional in the conversations. Hey, um, I reached out to the township. I have this question about this. I've reached out to the township already. I did these three or four things, but I'm still coming up empty. Is there anything that you may know that might be able to help me out here? Yeah. All of a sudden, myself, I'll answer anything you got. Like we can have a 15 minute conversation now because I was a good agent who's done their homework. And I'm happy to share that information. If you do it the other way, you tend to get a little bit more attitude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all in how it, um, it's approached. Right. I mean, in everything. So uh, the uh, the inspections, the inspection period, again, uh, something that you should always be aware of when you're when you're putting offers in. Uh, sometimes when when you're reading through there, the buyer and the, the buyer side is is responsible for turning on utilities. Uh, sometimes you'll you'll then want to reach out to the out to the agent if that's the case that the buyer is responsible and just make sure the systems held pressure, which means there's no broken pipes. Um, the agent most likely will be proactive and tell you, hey, you can't turn systems on here because it didn't hold pressure. So there's breaks, the client won't do any repairs. So if you're finance conventional and your lender's not okay with that, the systems need to be on for appraisal. My suggestion is either one, find a lender who is okay with it conventional or shift to a, like a modified um, renovation loan. There's some renovation loans that are just a few thousand dollars that don't add much time that you could get some potential repairs done uh, post-closing, but they will allow you to actually get to the place where you can close and then handle it afterward. Or if it's bad enough, you may have to go full renovation. And these are things a lot of people haven't gotten into is the renovation loans. Again, we can go down a lot of rabbit holes right now with so many different things. But renovation loans are very popular with foreclosures because there are many times as is, where is their systems don't work. You don't know if the septic's failed. There's a lot of different things that go on there if it's a septic versus public. Uh, so in those cases, it's it's really important that you explore those kind of loans and see if see what lenders you work with that actually offer them. And mm -hmm. if the lender that you're working with handles conventional FHA and he or she personally does the renovation do not work with that person. You need a renovation specialist in that lender's house to be able to handle those loans properly. They are 10 times more work and you really need to know what you're doing in order to get them to the closing table. Right, because uh, banks have a tendency to not um, extend very much or charge you for extending or... Um, it, yeah, they, they just don't, they don't allow for very many extensions. And, you know, historically on a renovation loan like that, if you're not doing it correctly, it gets extended out to infinity. It seems like a lot of the time. So, and just, and real quick, I mean, we're coming down in the last five or six minutes. Um, if you're working with investors, your investors are buying companies in the name of an LLC. You need to have those LLC documents ready and ready to go. Um, you need to understand if the person that you're working with directly has the ability to sign on behalf of that company. 
if they're the only person that has to sign on behalf of the company, these things are super important when you're doing offers on, on HUD properties and or just regular REO properties, because they're going to require all those documents. And you typically have maybe three days to get the contracts back, or you run the risk of losing the deal. I very rarely, if ever, in the course of a year, get an agent, send me a contract with all the documents that's 100% correct out of the gate. Even though I provide an email that tells you step-by-step what to do, it's very rare. Not because they're no good, it's just, it's not in their wheelhouse. They don't do it every day. Yeah. So it, it just, there's a lot of moving parts and you want to make sure that you kind of understand how all that works. So LLCs with investors, make sure you're ready to, to put those in. Because, And the other thing is, now that I'm thinking about it, the LLC is like a person. So if your uh, proof of funds is in John Smith's name, but you're buying it in one, two, three LLC, that is not okay. Your proof of funds means nothing. Well, John owns the company. No, in the eyes of the law, the company is an independent institution like a person. The name has to be on the proof of funds in that same name. Yeah. A lot of people just don't, It's again, they don't understand it because it's nothing they had to deal with. If they bought it retail yeah, as an investment, it's nobody really cares, but an army yeah. to do. Yeah, it all, it all goes back to the difference between buying a house from a human being and buying a house from a corporation. A corporation has certain rules and regulations that they have to follow. And when we're saying that the EMD or has to be in the name of the LLC or the proof of funds has to be in the LLC, it's because they won't accept it without that. And, and we're trying as hard as we can to get your contract together and your offer perfect so that it can be submitted to, to the client to get um, considered. So everything that we're we're going over everything that we're asking for in a particular deal is only because that is the that's the only way it can get submitted to to the to the bank exactly so yeah i mean we can um we can go into depth with with a lot of these things individually um but you know I don't. I don't know. What do you What do you think is the is the biggest takeaway or the most important thing that you would say as far as um, one, where the state of REO is currently right now, and two, um, how to how to prepare as a as an agent representing buyers um, coming up um, properly. Uh, so state of REO literally right now is more or less non-existent. So the likelihood of you running into a ton of REO in the next month are pretty minimal. Um, however, just like anything, when the opportunity presents itself, if you're not prepared, the opportunity goes away and you've got no chance of doing anything with it. So you need to be prepared. In order to be prepared, I would start looking in your market and pull up anything under the category REO so that you can see what does it say in the agent remarks Who's the agent that has it? Um, could you take that agent to lunch? If you really think it's going to be a part of your business down the road, take that agent to lunch. Ask them if it's cool if you had a phone call with them about how to put some offers in and stuff. Do not tell them you're interested in starting to list REO properties because they're not going to talk to you. <laughs> That's their business. There's only enough of it. So they're not going to probably <laughs> talk to you about that unless they're ready to retire and they want you to buy their business. Then they're going to talk to you. So. <laughs> 
but definitely you need to dig into those contracts. Uh, and if you can, any type of instructions on, on like the things that we talked about today. And again, um, those are some things you can prepare for. And if, if there's enough interest, well, the other way you can prepare is watch the next few that we do. If we decide to do a series on this of three, four, five things, they're going to give you all the ins and outs of how to actually present your offer in a manner that it looks the best, put your clients in the best eyes to the bank so that the chances of you getting accepted are very high. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Ario has um, led my business into many, many different directions. You know, because, because of Ario, I've, I've built up an entirely uh, an entire network of investor buyer clients. Um, and you as a buyer's agent, guys, you can do the same thing. Use REO as a jump off with, with investors to start marketing yourself to investor clients that want to buy properties at a discount. This is a great way for you to um, shift your business into strictly working with traditional buyers and sellers into working with investors and learning this market. 40% of my business is, my, is, is investor clients. You know, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't learn how to do this. So it's a way to um, recession-proof your business, right? Yep. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I think this is good timing because like you said, it is going to come back. It's not gone forever. So when I was seeing that some of it's kind of picking up, that's why I wanted to have you guys back on is to start preparing people because of multiple streams of business for especially exp agents is is top of mind so i think as we start getting closer and closer and seeing it released i'd love to have you guys back on to talk about the things like the intricacies of the contracts and things like that because it is totally different working from the servicing side for reo the expectations from the sellers are so different than a regular using a regular buyer so mm-hmm regular sellers. So I, I really appreciate you guys are so knowledgeable and uh, we love having you guys on. Love, love you. being here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. All right. See you guys. See you, see you, see you. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the agent power huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the agent collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.